so this is cool um, thank you very much for, for coming down today all the way from Yorkshire. Obviously very lucky to kind of sync this up since you're only back in the country for a few days. So I think let's start by, since what we're going to be talking about today is primarily like your story and you're in such a fantastic position to talk about corporate world, stress, burnout and knowing what you now know also being a coach that puts you in an incredible position to like reflect on that and share that journey from multiple perspectives. So firstly, so nice to see you again. It's been yeah. way too long um, and thank you very much for coming here to, to share your story. You're welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know it's been three years, but it goes so fast, doesn't it? But it feels great to be here. Great to be in London for, even if it's just a day, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, feels like nothing's changed, but yeah, it's been mad three years since oh, I've last seen you. So um, yeah, there was a lot, lot to catch up on, but let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. So I mean, tell people about kind of that initial start in, in the corporate world. What did you study at university and, and what was that job? Yeah, so I grew up in the south of England and at the age of 18, went to university in Edinburgh. And I studied kind of human political geography. Um, didn't necessarily know what I wanted to be, but just really found it interesting. Loved Edinburgh's university and spent four years there. Beautiful city. And then I ended up going into um, a company called Accenture. They are a huge consulting firm, really kind of enormous worldwide. When I started working there, I think it was 400,000 employees plus. Wow. Uh, so they must have obviously expanded since then. Um, so I did an internship the summer before I finished university and after I graduated, they offered me kind of a full-time position to be kind of a managing consulting analyst, um, predominantly based in Edinburgh, but then, you know, commuting between there and London. So that was kind of the start of, I guess, the next two years of, of my life, which was entering into the corporate world as it was. Yeah, fantastic. So obviously, I think you enjoyed that in a way. There were some positives to take from it. Um, but also, there was a few things that, that weren't so great. So yeah, wh what were those two years like? What was the work culture? And, and what ended up happening um, as a result of that regarding your own health? Yeah. So <clears throat> certainly, I think at the age, I just finished university, 21, 22 years old. Um, it was definitely big city lights. It felt very exciting. And they definitely played up to that. You know, when you arrived... It was like, you know, when, when I got that internship, it was kind of um, a big presentation, you know, 2000 applicants down to 50. And it was like drum rolls and things, you know, they definitely play into that. They definitely make you feel very special, very, you know, unique. It was very hard to get one of those positions. And they definitely kind of... Um, allow you to go through those motions and feel pretty cool. You know, you do, you feel like, oh yeah, I made it. So I think the initial kind of impression was amazing I felt very you know proud that I was able to get that position and I felt very cool commuting you know between Edinburgh and London it was a very kind of glamorous life from the outside um, I was on some really important big projects and you know global scale with huge banks and I was surrounded by really intelligent incredible people I mean some of the brightest people I've ever met you know working with huge budgets on huge life-changing projects so definitely I'd say there was positives and I would never ever take back um, my experience and I would say that to anyone and the story I'm about to tell of, of kind of how it went I would never tell anyone I regret that time in my life it was really interesting I learned loads but I slowly started to enter into what we know to be the corporate culture so you're looking at things like extremely long hours um, very high pressured environments you know, intense deadlines and a lot of pressure behind those deadlines as well. So that real fear of like, if you miss this deadline, there is severe consequences. Um, and I started to understand the kind of loneliness aspect of what the corporate world could bring for you. I spent a lot of time commuting by myself between Edinburgh and London. 
Um, there were a lot of late nights where my clients maybe had left the office and I was kind of still there by myself well into the night. And I started to experience kind of stress and loneliness. And that is really where things started to kind of go down south. Um, so I was with the company officially for two years. But around the 18-month mark, I really started to struggle with my health. And a little bit later, I found out um, that I had a tumor in my spine. So that kind of happened around June 2017. I was working in Edinburgh at the time, but commuting between Edinburgh and London on um, a banking project, digital banking project. And I was in London, I remember. I was at a place called the Magic Roundabout, which is a, a bar near here, actually. And... I started to feel this pain through my left leg. And I remember thinking, this doesn't feel right, but I'm going to carry on. And that night, I actually had to get the sleeper train back to Edinburgh. So I was on the sleeper train, still wasn't right. And basically what, what happened was I had um, a four by four centimeter tumor growing at the base of my spine. And what happened is it just grown to a point where it was hitting a nerve. So that pain that I was experiencing um, was a tumor, which was crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry to sorry to hear that. What? Um, yeah, I mean, just keep elaborating on that if that's okay. Yeah. Like, why do you, why do you kind of think that the, the corporate world potentially contributed to that, and and what does that kind of stress burnout look like? So basically, I think that um, although you know, for anyone listening, the tumor ended up being benign. They thought it was uh, potentially cancerous at the start, so it was quite an intense, stressful journey, obviously. But there was no real understanding of why it was there. And I will stress that now. They, The surgeons, the doctors really had no understanding because they hadn't seen anything um, like it in someone so young. I think the closest case they had to compare it to was someone who was 10 to 15 years older, a female. But one thing that from having been in the health world now and understanding stress uh, and looking back kind of all the way through childhood and this job, stress was a key theme to a lot of my kind of experiences and working in such a high pressured corporate environment um, was you know very stressful for my body I was running constantly in overdrive and I'm talking you know super caffeinated at all times you know you're staying up super late coffee after 2 p.m that's not a rule and you know you know how we say and I say to my clients you know if you could stop your coffee at two that would be great that just wasn't a thing you know coffee at 9 p.m great let's carry on um sleep was really really affected uh, I was you know looking at five to six hours of sleep per night um six hours was a good sleep for yeah, me it's not good is it no and definitely everything I've learned since about sleeping really our number one priority um alcohol was you know alcohol and socializing was a massive part that we need to you know address in the corporate world alcohol is a huge huge factor not only alcohol but the pressure to drink the pressure to be seen drinking the pressure to be seen socializing especially as a consultant when you're working with clients client you know satisfaction is so important and it was really important for these clients to see that I was out I was entertaining them so really not drinking wasn't an option at that time in my life and you know I remember looking back at December as a month I mean you know anyone in the corporate role now they're probably listening will be like yeah December no work gets done because it is just one event after another um and I look back at that time in my life and I I don't I was just I wasn't living I wasn't pausing at all I wasn't taking intentional breaths I wasn't looking at life as a whole I wasn't I wasn't living I was constantly 
trying to do the next thing or achieve the next thing because of the pressure I was around which is actually again now really sad to look back at because I was 22 23 years old and I ended up you know because of stress because of burnout having something like a tumor which you know was so severe and we always say to our clients I'm sure you say it too you know, you've got to take care of your health now because otherwise your health will force you to. You know, we always say that in the health industry. At some point, your body is going to force you to take care of it if you decide not to. And I think that was it for me. That was that message. You know, I'd neglected my health. Stress had become the main thing in my life. And it was a result of those choices that I was making at the time. Yeah, so. 100%. I mean, what's the saying? If you don't listen to the whispers, your body will force you to hear the screams. I love that. What were some of those whispers for you? Obviously, it was a relatively short time period in a way, only a couple of years. Um, and I know you've touched on a few already, but what were some of those other whispers or some of those other symptoms, so to speak, that you were experiencing? I would definitely say that, um, you know, anxiety being a key one, that was a key one, high anxiety. Constantly living in flight or fight mode where you are just always ready for the next thing to go wrong, ready for the next, um, you know, problem. You can't fully relax and also you're just not present at any point and I'm, I'm sure some people listening to this will, will know that where you you'll go out and you'll you won't even remember what you just did you know you'll be driving and you'll be like wow I just switched off for that entire drive like you you are so taken away by your thoughts by your emotions by your anxiety that you're not living you're not present another one for me around that time I was suffering really from IBS that became a really big problem for me my digestive system took a massive hit um, I was struggling from IBS, constipation, all those things regularly. It was a huge part of my life. Um, and bloating, loads of physical mm. signs that at the time I wasn't listening to or paying attention to. It was a huge inconvenience, but it, I was that way in my life where I was like, I need to keep going. But learning now what I have, you know, IBS, constipation, this impact on my digestive system was clearly my body saying something is not right, right? We're, we're not balanced here. Um, and I think there were so many things before that ultimate, you know, tumor that were, that were letting me know, Hey, you're not in a good place right now. Yeah. Amazing. A lot of people say that, don't they? They're like, Oh, I didn't see this coming. Whatever that was, whether it's a tumor, or all of a sudden they're diagnosed with hypertension. And it's like, because you didn't know how to look out for the warning signs that they're what they were there. But I think a lot of that just comes down to, to ignorance, right? Like when you've just listed off two main categories that are kind of like anxiety and then digestive system issues. Most people, especially the digestive system issues, maybe a little bit less so the anxiety, they have no understanding of how and why stress can cause that, right? So maybe let's kind of get into that a little bit. Like what is that stress response? What is that sympathetic nervous system? And, and how can that be responsible for those symptoms that otherwise people just might not be correlating? Yeah, and I think that's 100%, you know, from, you know even the word sympathetic nervous system or parasympathetic nervous system mm, you sounds know, confusing it, it's so confusing and it's something that we've never been educated on or taught about which is just so unbelievably crazy because i always say to people the one thing that is the only constant in our life is us our body right that's it you know everything will change but the one thing we know from the moment we're born to the moment we die we are here right as, as a as a body and you know for those who don't know obviously sympathetic or fight and, and rest and digest these two phases of our of our nervous system where they control our subconscious thing our um, actions and and it's working behind the scenes you know this is what is happening to keep us alive and we have no clue what it is we have no idea so that constant living in flight or fight mode not allowing my body to rest you know digest my food probably i mean it literally is in the word rest and digest 
my body was not resting. I was not digesting my food properly, which is obviously straight away a key sign. The bloating, the IBS, the constipation, not allowing my body, even probably when I was sleeping, my sleep quality was probably so affected mm. as well. So constantly running in, in flight or fight mode, what that was doing and preventing all the systems in my body from just working as they needed to to survive. Um, and I think that, it's just one was frustrating for me that we were never taught that. And I think that's crazy. How at school, you know, how is this not drilled into us? Yo, let's see where you're at in life. Always remember that these two systems need to work in balance because I'm not saying, and I think obviously all professionals, flight or fight mode can be really beneficial. Like we absolutely need it. Keeps you alive sometimes. Keeps you alive. You know, it, it helps with your performance, our responses. It's definitely, I think some people think that we should never be in it. Wrong. Mm. Exercise is a great example. But understanding that if you throw those two systems out of balance, you are going to really start to struggle. Yeah. Yeah, there needs to be a balance there. Most people spend the majority of their time in their sympathetic nervous system, their fight or flight response, whereas it should be the other way around. It should be very occasional, occasional stints. And yeah, just no one knows how to correlate these things. Like As you've said, when you are in that sympathetic nervous system, you can have issues with things like constipation. You're not passing stools. You're drinking a lot, so that's stressful to the liver. You probably don't have the energy and time to exercise, so you're not sweating. So literally all of our detox and elimination pathways are compromised, and then we end up kind of like having these internal issues as a result of not being able to to yeah use our bodily systems properly and that can manifest in different ways for different people and i think with something like constipation or ibs it's not something we talk about and it's not something you want to talk about is it mm. really let's be honest so i was struggling with severe ibs or constipation but that wasn't something i felt comfortable telling anyone first of yeah. all or talking about but living in a state of being constantly bloated and constantly constipated was horrendous, but that was something as well. I didn't know where to turn either. I didn't have anyone or a coach or anyone who could give me advice on that at the time. So it was a lot of kind of navigating the unknown, maybe using, you know, fiber sachets or, or a laxative at a time. These products, which I thought at the time was going to help me just because I was in a pure desperate state, right? Alcohol, not fully understanding the impact of alcohol on the liver, what it does. And, you know, even when I didn't want to drink and I drank, that pressure anyway, that guilt, what those emotions were doing for my body too. Um, and I think that's the saddest thing. I wonder how many people are out there living in this situation from, you know, severe bloating, constipation, et cetera, but they just don't feel like they have anyone to talk to. Because let's be honest, it's quite an embarrassing topic to talk about. Yeah. And it, we often make it worse, right? Because you go, okay, I've got IBS. What does that mean? Maybe I'm intolerant to some foods. You try and cut things out. What does that do? It's stress, right? It's more stressful because now you're like, I'm not allowed to eat this. I have to avoid that. It makes your relationship with food worse. Probably just causes more generic stress, which actually the underlying reason why many people have IBS because they're stressed actually then gets worse. And your IBS gets worse despite trying to do some form of elimination diet, which is a very, very sad irony and, and cycle that a lot of people are stuck in. 100% and I think it's that, you know, I definitely created an absolute fear of, of, of pasta, you know, or, or bread, like absolutely in that time where I was struggling from those things. And I'd say that relationship with pasta probably still exists a little bit or bread, you know, in the subconscious it is there, you know, and, and I definitely created that myself by trying to ban certain things or try and navigate it by myself and, you know, seeing things on social media but not understanding them because there's a difference between seeing something and understanding something mm -hmm. right we are constantly um thrown by social media things left right and center we are every day given new pieces of information 
But if you don't have the knowledge or understanding, how do you know which one to follow? How do you know what's right? So you just blindly mm-hmm. follow advice from anyone who will give it because you're just like, I just need something. Yeah. So probably a lot of the things that I were doing was as well were probably, you know, not working together. We, we talk about exercise, but it's what we know as coaches now that for somebody who's highly stressed, doing hit CrossFit interval sessions goes completely against what you should be doing but you're just seeing advice exercise exercise so you're like shit i gotta go exercise you throw yourself into a crossfit class adding even more stress to your situation again harming yourself without even realizing thinking that you're doing something that's going to benefit you yeah there is so much individualized context and nuance that's, that's needed isn't it but i mean before we get into some more kind of like maybe things that you should do shouldn't do some more like actionable tips that people can implement if someone's listening to this right now and they're like okay i know i'm stuck in that cycle but you know it is a cycle that i'm stuck in mm. what would you kind of firstly say to that person to help them maybe understand the potential severity of it um, and how would you potentially recommend like first breaking that cycle Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what I've said before, what I always will say is that to anyone who's in the corporate world or to people I work with in the corporate world, you know, my advice is not leave it. That's not the first place I go, because ultimately um, it can be a very fulfilling world, very high, you know, highly motivated individuals, amazing, incredible, intelligent people who are changing the world as we speak. You know, I mean, everything that's come out now on AI, all of this stuff, it's coming from those places that I used to work in. And it is so interesting. So my advice is not quit or leave or you've got no hope. If you're in the corporate world, you're screwed. It's not that at all. It's first of all, pause and try to take note first of all where you are now. So do you feel as though you're heading into chronic stress, right? Stressed states at all times really understand hey do I have balance in my life or has work become the center you know when I was working in the corporate world work was it when we talk about the pillars of health or if you look at the corners of your world and all the different things friends family social connections exercise I didn't have those things I had one and that was work and Monday to Sunday that was all I had which is a very dangerous place to be in So one, I would start to first analyze your life. Do you have more than your work going on for you? And if you don't, that's first something to address. How can you include social connection? Because one of the things that I struggled with most was constantly being surrounded by people, but lacking in social connection. Mm. I was always with clients, with people, but I was constantly in a work environment, which means I wasn't authentic to myself. I was performing. So I really lacked authentic social connection which can be really important for us especially as a way to de-stress and share other people you know when it comes to alcohol i am totally understanding of the fact that it is a high pressure thing you know you do need to drink in certain situations or we feel there are ways to go about it starting to look at how much we're drinking the volume starting to understand if you know if you're out drinking can we bring water in can we do one alcoholic one water and it sounds simple but even something that small decreasing the amount we're drinking by half Can we try and do, you know, I have some clients where we work initially on, can we have three dry days in a week, for example? Can we have four dry days and increasing the number of dry days in a week so that we get that balance? Hey, it's Leo here. Just very quickly interrupting this podcast episode to share with you a really exciting announcement. The Nexus team are now available to take on new one-on-one online nutrition clients. So if you're interested in working with myself or anyone on the team for your nutrition, health or body composition based goals, then follow the link in the show notes and you can see all of the information on what that might look like to work with us. If you're ready, schedule a free no obligation call where we can discuss your goals and who the best coach is. You know, high restriction isn't necessary. We don't need to cut out completely, but we do need to find balance with that. When it comes to exercise, you know, just walking can be so beneficial. 
And I would say that to anyone. If you are super high stress, don't worry about joining the gym, smashing yourself through a workout. Start to walk. And I mean mindful walk as well. That really helped me a lot to recover. Going for walks, but actually not thinking about work when I was doing that. Going through the motion, going for a walk. That's exercise, that's movement, but it's also helping your mental health. Get outside. You know, in winter, I was not seeing the light. I was in the office before seven. I was out at 10. I was seeing no light, something that basic. I was not seeing the sun. Guys, get outside. If you have 10 minutes, go for a walk. Just see the side, be, see the sun, get outside, be in nature. You know, the, it's what I say always. It's not huge life-changing things that are completely impossible. It's small things each day, which is slowly going to bring you out of that fight or fight mode into rest and digest and then help you in your work, help you in your performance. You know, I say that to people all the time. If you work on your health, if you move more into the kind of rest and digest phase, if you find more peace, you will perform better. You'll be more confident. You'll be more relaxed. You will be more productive, you know, and these are all things that can help you during that time of your life. Yeah, I love that. Small changes is, is so key. We'd see that so much in Phuket, wouldn't we? There's people that would be like a little bit like you. They'd be like, basically, fuck it. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And whether that's a long holiday, whether it's they quit their job, whether they're taking a sabbatical, whatever, they turn up to the soy and they'd be like, I'm focusing on me and I'm focusing on my health. And you're like, amazing. What are you going to do when you get back to wherever, London, New York, Sydney? Like, What strategies have you learned here that are actually relevant for your real world? Because waking up at 8 a.m. and going to a yoga class and then walking on the beach with a fresh coconut only works in, yeah. only works in Phuket. <laughs> so what are you going to change when you go back? And they're like, they don't have an answer. And I think that's, that's what I say to people. And certainly when I'm working with clients now, I'm like, try to ignore what everybody else is doing because you simply cannot copy the routine of somebody else. You don't have the same life. You cannot, you know, this ice baths and things like that. You know, the no, you know, a, a management consultant working in London can't go and have an ice bath every day for three minutes. It's not, it's not practical. It's not doable. If, if you're a mum and you've got two kids and a job, financial pressures things you don't have time to do these things and I think it is ignorant of coaches to assume that everybody does have that time so one of the main things if you're listening to this or you're trying to work in your health journey is try to block out the noise of what everybody else is doing and first figure out what's going to work for you you know in Phuket we had people training three or four times a day you know they go back to London they only have time for two or three sessions in a week yeah. but they feel like they're failing it's three to four times a week is incredible and I think it's that understanding that Anything is better than nothing. So if you do have a crazy job, because a lot of us do, um, you know, if you can only work out once or twice a week, hey, that's better than nothing. If you can only walk for 30 minutes instead of an hour each day, brilliant. If you can drink three liters of water and have two dry days in a week instead of one dry day, excellent. Anything that is a step in the right direction needs to be applauded. Yeah. And I think that is the most important thing is what I say to my clients. You know, there's this pressure in the health world where you need to be ticking every single box to be considered a success. And as a coach, I'm standing here saying, I do not take cold showers every day. There is so many things in the health world that yeah. I do not even entertain. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm not actively working on my health or I'm not a healthy person. I just don't have time or, or the resources right now to tick off every box that we've created. Um and I think some people just need somebody to tell them you're doing a good job. You're, you're trying, you know, which is more than a lot of people in the world. There are so many people sitting in this unconscious ignorance where they have no idea, first of all, that they even need to work on their health, let alone start. So for those of you who are actively thinking, do you know what? I actually need to work on my health a bit. I'm going to start to walk. Brilliant. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Good for you. 
well done for taking a step in the right direction when there's so many you know factors which are making it that hard for you yeah I agree I think that a lot of people when they they start their health and fitness journey they would really benefit from a bit of a social media detox it doesn't mean you have to unfollow those accounts completely maybe you mute them you just check on them when you want but whether it is your famous um your famous sorry whether it is your favorite athlete and you're like I love following them but like then you're comparing your lifestyle to how often they're training and how they're eating and their recovery protocols or whether it's the biohackers and I use that term loosely but and what they're doing and they make you feel guilty if you're not doing all of these things daily like there is so many you know and the men's physique and the bikini and it's like that is literally their full-time job and you'd probably benefit from unfollowing those people so that you can focus on everything that that you just said there yeah and I think social media you know social media I'm not going to say it's a bad thing because it is so incredible in some ways and I think it gives people a space sometimes where they can relate to people you know I've seen some wonderful things on social media and I know that um there have been times where my social media has really helped me, whether it's random strangers or people I know reaching out to me about something I've posted and giving me support. So it's not that like I'm constantly you know, providing support to other people. It's that other people have actually come back to what I've posted and have given me that confidence and it can be a beautiful place. But what I have noticed is it is incredibly, if you're, if you're already feeling negative about yourself, if you're already struggling with self-confidence issues, that is when you're going to run into trouble on social media because it will just reinforce every negative thought you have about yourself. And I fall into this a lot, you know, for example, running a business or anything. I could be thinking, I don't know if I'm doing enough right now. And then I go on social media and I see how much somebody else is doing. Yeah, I'm definitely not doing enough. And I spiral. And this is coming from someone who's a coach. I spiral and I need to be protecting my mental health. So, you know, it's not like coaches don't feel the same things or that no we all do social media can be a wonderful thing but it really forces you to compare yourself and that is horrible and we do compare all the time and social media is fake half the time as well we know that it's it's so filtered it's so edited and i think what i've really tried to do in the last few years on my social media is be as authentic as possible and share the hard times too you know it's not share when i'm struggling share when i'm not training share when i'm feeling low because I don't want people to think that I'm living here this perfect healthy life it's just a complete lie it's not reality at all yeah I've always yeah I've always loved that about about your social media it's always super it's always super honest it's very easy to make living in Phuket look like the fairy tale um so I think it's yeah really important to to show clients that like look this is not necessarily the case yeah and I think you know sure on Instagram you're like yeah I'm moving back to Phuket next week You, you know you're on a beach um you live on a, a paradise island. Well, yes, but at the same time, you live without your family. You live far away from people you, who, who you care about. You live in a completely different culture. You maybe don't speak the language. Like there's, there's so many other barriers that you're gonna you're gonna face. And you know, I've just got back from from moving to Brazil, and you know, I was in Brazil for two months, and it was the same there. It was an experience that I thought was going to go really well, and it didn't. And it's recognizing that it's okay to tell people, "Yo, that didn't work out for me." And I really tried and I, I, it was a failure. You know, it didn't work and that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm any less of, of a person or a successful person. I just did something that didn't work out and that, that was it. Um, same, you know, if you, if you go to a gym or you join a CrossFit box and you, and you think two months into it, do you know what? I don't love CrossFit. Guys, that's okay. A lot yeah. of people don't. You change. Okay, you don't like CrossFit. What do you like? What other thing can we find? I have loads of clients who don't like the gym. Perfect, no problem. What can we find that you love? Mm. What? Because at the end of the day, just moving is important 
So if it's not CrossFit, it's not the gym, no problem. Let's figure out what you can do that makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters is that you are finding something you enjoy. Yeah, 100%. Why do you think people struggle with that moderation so much? Like what's the saying? You know, the extremes are easy. Kind of that on-off switch is actually quite easy. But finding that middle ground is, is quite difficult. Like why do you think people struggle with that? Yeah, I think the all or nothing is just one of the major problems that we see with people in the health industry. And... I think with so much on social media being so extreme, we've taken it in, you know, I think one of the hardest things that, that, that I see on social media is it's almost bullying in a way. It's so intense. It's, it's calling people out and making them feel bad for doing stuff like simple things. And the, you know, health is not, you know, black or white. It's a continuum. It's a continuum that we never step on or off. It's always there in our life. At some points, we're going to be nailing it. At other points, we might be not doing as well. But it's always there. But now all I'm seeing is extreme views, extreme posts. And it's making me as a coach question so many things. Luckily, I have the knowledge and understanding to like refute it and be like, okay, this person is just trying to you know get followers, sell things. And I'm able to see that. But I feel genuinely terrified for the people who are seeing this and don't have that. And instead of promoting balance when people see something that's extreme and they're not able to do it they do nothing you know they sit almost in a free state you know what we call a free state they know that they need to change but the the path to change is so extreme or so intense they have no idea how to do it so instead of doing anything they do nothing and you see that a lot you know if people aren't on this perfect diet exercising they've thrown it out the window and they just you know because i think what people are our understanding is that unless you're doing it perfectly you're not doing it right and people just don't bother and it, you know it's crazy it's, it's it's wild that that has become our norm it is frustrating as a coach as well i think yeah it is one of the my favorite things that i'll say to clients is exactly what you just said there like you you don't get to decide if you're working on your health and fitness unfortunately it's happening to you <laughs> so it's either like regressing if you're not putting any work in or a very small input a very very small input is actually enough to move it forwards but either way your health and fitness is happening to you whether you kind of like it or not it's not something you can pause and pick up at a later date yeah and i think one of the craziest things is like say you you know people use this falling off the wagon or you think that you're regressing all it takes is a few small steps and you're progressing again you know and i think it's crazy that we've made it seem that being healthy is so hard it's really not. If you if you were listening to this and you're, you know, one month you haven't been to the gym, next week you go to the gym twice, you're back, that's it. The gym has not gone anywhere. Nothing dramatic has happened in the health world. You go to the gym next week, brilliant. That's that's it. And it's this idea that it's so unattainable and it's like these people are just spreading that narrative because they want you to buy something or sell something or whatever. But if you haven't been focusing on your health for the last two to three months and next week you wake up and make a decision, I'm going to drink more water and I'll go for a walk today that's it yep. it's that simple and i don't understand how we've got to the point where we've overcomplicated it so much yeah. yeah so much i think sometimes it's really important as well just to like listen to someone say like that is okay like you are doing great that's a really good first step and that is going to move you in the right direction i think that's how i coach and i think what you'll find is that every coach does have a different style um, and that's good because every human is different so we can't all have the same coaching style we can't all be the same coach because ultimately people are going to respond to us in different ways what I have noticed about my coaching style is that it is empathetic. It is calm, considered, patient. That is how I coach. I'm not an extreme coach. I'm not ruthless. I don't really do tough love. 
because for the people that come to me and often work with me they they don't respond well to that mm. they're already struggling emotionally so much they're already their own biggest hater they're already their own biggest critic they already think they're failing they've done all that by themselves they don't need me to come along and tell them they're already there the only thing that i can do for them is take away some of that pressure, relieve some of that stress and guide them in a in a kind way. And it sounds so crazy, but that is honestly how I want to coach because ultimately what I've realized is it's hard enough. You know, you'll see these coaches and they do really well. You know, there's a lot out there, no bullshit coaches, very aggressive, fine. And I'm and they have worked super well for some people. Brilliant. But for the people who are struggling, are severely stressed, anxious, and really feel as though they're lost, mm. that is not going to help those people, you know. And we need to be patient because if they fuck up, if they, you know, go out on a Friday night and they drink loads and they eat loads, they know that wasn't what they're supposed to do. They know that. They don't need me to tell them that. What they do need me to do is say, okay, no problem, that's done. Let's not focus on it. How in the next three days can we do baby steps to feel better now, right? You know, there's no point dwelling on that. Everybody's aware of what they're doing. You know, these are adults. Yeah, who no know. one thinks that's healthy. No one, no one thinks going out, getting absolutely wasted and eating like a whole pizza and chips at 2 a.m. Is, is what you should be doing if you're trying to work on your health. Yeah. But rather than allowing them to spiral and potentially quit in the next two to three days, which is what a lot of people would do. Oh, I've messed it up. I'm done. I'm giving up. Being a coach, my responsibility is to ensure that I can help them come back from that recognize what led them to that point what smarter decisions maybe we could have made to stop getting to that point and move forward with them and that's it yeah i think that's such an important message is that whilst everyone needs to take personal responsibility for like what they think their goals are and therefore what coach they maybe sign up with i think that there's always an element of like maybe if you sign up with the extreme bodybuilding coach probably maybe should have known that you weren't prepared to maybe do that like that that extreme goal potentially doesn't align with your value so maybe there's an element of that but that aside there is a lot of people that they get excited they see the extreme transformations they're like i'm ready to fully commit so they go with that coach that is posting a lot of transformations often you know men's physique bikini etc and that isn't right or wrong to coach like that but it is just a very different type of goal and therefore a very different process for a, a pretty different person there's a lot of people that their health's good. So you can throw loads of cardio in, add loads of stress, give them the stress of dieting and low calories. And there's a lot of people where that actually makes them worse and it's counterproductive. So I think that's such an important message when you said like, you are not failing if you do sign up to work with that coach. And that's the kind of plan and process that they give you. That's just probably not right for you, at least right now. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that doesn't mean at some point in your life, you can't do that. Um, but it's recognizing and being realistic about your circumstances. You know, if you are a really busy job, you know, you are financially maybe stressed you know you a lot of these plans i think they're expensive i've seen the supplement lists i've seen the the gym memberships i've seen you've got to be pretty doing okay financially to be able to do and that is another thing we don't even consider some of these plans i could not even personally afford to go on them they are so intense so it's about taking realistic check of where you are. How much time do you have realistically? How many, what's your financial situation like? What is your social support group like? Do you have support? Are you surrounded by like-minded individuals working on your health? Are you around people who sabotage you regularly, who don't want you to progress? Before you dive into a new program, a new coach, try to be really realistic about where you are now and where you can realistically go. Because if you don't have the time, financial resources or support 
for a 12-week bikini transformation, it is going to leave you in a really depleted and miserable state, honestly. Yeah, and then you'll feel like a failure. Of course. And you'll also have less money. You have less money. You've invested loads in the coach. You're you're even worse because you're stressed and you can't do the things that they're telling you. And not only that, you know, health is not just aesthetic or physical. It is how we feel mentally. And that is one of the most important things. The biggest transformation that we want, or I feel like I want as a coach for somebody, is really to transform their mental health and their self-confidence. You know, if I work with someone for, you know, whether it's three months to six months, if they come out of that and say, I just feel so much more confident in myself, I feel like for me that is the biggest success, regardless of how they look physically, regardless of whether they got the abs they wanted or the the weight loss or the, the number on the scale. If they come out with a feeling of, oh, I just feel better about myself, I feel more confident, then that alone is an incredible thing. And that is what we should be working towards more. 100%. I think really that's what everyone wants, whether there's some other part of the goal attached or not, right? That's what everyone wants. So then it's like, if you reverse engineer what that looks like, no one's confident if they're constantly not achieving what they're asking themselves to do or what someone else is asking for them, right? If you're not doing what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it, you're not going to feel confident. So then it's like, well, why do we keep setting clients up to fail? Or why does, you know, if you're the client, why do you keep setting yourself up to fail with these very extreme targets, rigid plans, loads of things to consider every day? It's probably not going to improve your confidence if you can't actually execute. Yeah, and I think you could you could literally apply that to any aspect of your life as well. And like we see that in health and fitness, but it could be in your business, you know, starting my own business, understanding that if I set myself ridiculously high, unrealistic goals, and I constantly was failing to meet the targets that I had set for myself, what am I actually doing there? Am I helping myself? Or do I need to move the marker of what success looks like for me, right? So instead of, you know, putting the marker too high, I keep failing to move the marker. If you constantly keep telling yourself that I need to be this weight with this physique to succeed and you don't succeed, move the marker, you know, change it, change your goals. Don't keep allowing yourself to fail because at the end of the day, you are all you have really at the end of the day to count on. It's you inside your head 24 seven, so if you're hating on yourself, you don't have a chance. You need to be your biggest support. You need to be your biggest fan. And it's all about breaking it down. You know, it's okay. Maybe one year from now you want to have that goal. Brilliant. But what does that look like in monthly goals? What does that look like in weekly goals? How can we slowly get to there rather than just hyper-focusing on the end result? Because at the end of the day, nobody gets from A to B that fast. And, and I think it's about being realistic with clients. A health journey is up and down all the time. It's not just this road yeah, to the goal yeah. for anyone, for me. You, oh, we all wish. But what you learn about yourself by going through those lows and carrying on is the best. You know, and some of the moments, the breakthrough moments I've had with clients is when they want to quit or they want to give up because that's what they've always done. And they, in that moment, decide this time I'm going to carry on. Those is where we, that, that itself is a huge win where you learn about yourself, you learn, hey, I actually don't need to quit. I can keep going. Even though I'm going through a low moment right now, that's okay. That's normal. I'm going to carry on. You learn resilience. You learn strength. And it allows you, you know, for someone like me who's maybe, you know, since I had the tumor, I'm, you know, that was when I was 23. I'm now just turned 30. I have that confidence and awareness that if I don't go to the gym for two weeks or go off my plan, it causes no guilt, no stress, nothing. I have that confidence to know next week when I get back on it and go to the gym, I'll be fine. And I don't have all those emotions now attached to it. Yeah. 
I think obviously that's incredible and I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. But the part that I'd really love people to focus on there is the fact that, that didn't just kind of happen overnight. You can't just say to yourself, I no longer feel like this. And it changes. Like obviously, that's been a bit of a process, hasn't it? Oh, I mean, and what I would say to people, the, you know, when I talk about the tumour, people think that the actual tumour was the hardest part, you know, being in hospital and going through that operation. And I was I was in hospital for a month and I went through, you know, biopsies and a lot of really psychologically traumatic experiences you know I had so many CT scans and MRIs and really developed a chronic fear of MRI machines from it so many things went drastically wrong well that wasn't the hardest part for me the hardest part was coming out of the hospital the tumor had been removed so technically I was on the road to recovery but just looking in the mirror and hating what I saw and when I say hating I mean fully I went into probably the deepest depressive state I've ever been in at that point in my life I hated what I saw in the mirror Obviously, I'd lost all my muscle. I'd put on weight because I was emotionally eating, you know, every single day. I had nothing else to do. You know, I just, I couldn't walk properly. So all day, every day I was just eating. And I think that, looking back, that was the worst, probably the lowest point in my life, those few months after the tumor. And the journey to get from there to where I am now, I mean, it's a seven-year journey. And it's it's not always over. You know, it's not. It's, it's never going to be over. You're constantly working on confidence. You're constantly working on that. It never ends. You know, I still have loads of moments where I don't maybe feel as confident as I should. I doubt myself regularly. Um, but what I do see over the last seven years is just a little bit of patience and consistency. And I mean, I think we are our own worst enemies. When I was depressive and after my tumour, I hated myself. You know, I was so down on myself. And I look back now and I'm like, you know, I I had a tumor. I was 23 years old. I thought I was going to die. And I just spent the next three to four months hating myself every single day for how I looked, the fact that I wasn't achieving anything. I couldn't walk. Um, And I think that's the message. If people look at where I am now, this is not where I always was at all. And I still have a lot of things to work on, you know, and I say that to people. If you don't focus on your health or allow it to slip, you will slip back. You know, I, I've had certain problems with my thyroids or hormones over the over the last few years. And if I'm not careful and I let all of my kind of healthy habits slip and I go back into a, a flight or fight mode, I see all those things coming back. You know, I see all those health problems coming back. It's not like they've gone forever. You know, no, guys, like if we don't focus on our health, again, we're going to enter back into the old cycles. And that's why we need to really spread the message that it is lifestyle over anything because it's not a temporary thing. Because the minute you stop, you're going to go back as well. Yeah, It's so important to give yourself that permission to like, I was having a really tough time, like, and that's okay. It's okay that I wasn't, you know, staying on top of my exercise or my nutrition. Like my health was not good. And I think I can really relate to that. Obviously I had like, some real severe health issues and I look back and I'm like, oh, I didn't work through that time period. I got into some financial debt because of the medical bills, because I couldn't work. And I was just like, really, really got down about that and like really hate myself for that. Mm-hmm. And just one day I was like, do you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Like I was in excruciating pain. Like you were in excruciating pain yeah. every day for like six months. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. And just give yourself that permission to not hate yourself for that because it's as soon as you you do that you let go of it and you can move forwards with your health and fitness journey in a healthy way but the whole time you're clinging on to that like resentment of yourself okay I've given myself 
not you've given yourself these health issues, but essentially you've given yourself these health issues from your lifestyle or this has happened to you or whatever it might be. Everything you do from your health and fitness journey then just comes from a negative place because you're doing it from a place of I don't like how I look or I don't like how I feel or I don't feel worthy. And then that's not sustainable anyway because it's you're not forming a healthy relationship with that process. So part one always needs to be giving yourself permission to be like, that was a shit period and that's okay. Yeah, and I, it's crazy. I feel like when you do that, you can almost feel like this sigh of release or this almost this breath that you take you pu- you really pause and you're like that was okay yeah. like you really pause and you almost just breathe for a second and you give yourself that permission to forgive yourself and and at the end of the day you were doing whatever you could to survive at that time yeah. you know i i emotionally ate i would say it i ate cake every single day i think for a month at the time that was what i needed to do to give myself something to wake up for you know i was in such a depressive state back then and in so much pain that walking 10 meters to the coffee shop each day for a piece of cake was what I needed to do to survive at that time. It was a survival tactic. And of course, that didn't last forever. You know, I slowly got better. I healed. I stopped going to eat cake every day and I moved on. But at the end of the day, that that small thing is what kept me going. It got me outside. And so even though the idea of eating cake every single day, you know, is not a great idea. Well, at the time, that was the one thing that got me out of bed. So it's looking back and being like, all I was doing at that time was using the knowledge I had to keep going. And it's the same. A lot of things in health, we really don't know or understand. We've never been taught. You know, we had nobody guiding us. The, the amount that I've learned about health or fitness, not only health and fitness in terms of the science, but the psychology side of things. That's only stuff I've learned from studying it, being around mentors like yourself, like reading, experiencing things with clients, you know, actually watching clients navigate the journey. You know, I didn't have any of those tools before I entered the health and fitness world. So how was I supposed to know? You know, I I wasn't. And I think if you're listening to this and you're not a health and fitness coach, but you want to start on your health, recognize that if you don't know where to start or what to do, that is completely okay. You know, you don't, you haven't been given the tools. So don't beat yourself up that you don't know. It's, you know, that's it. Yeah, whenever a client says something like that to me, whatever their kind of job or profession is, I'll be like, we're in for their mum, you know, because that's a job of like, I don't know how to do that. And I think that example always like, throws people off for a second because they're like, well, I feel like I should know a bit about my body and my health because, you know, I'm in it and I'm living it. Whereas maybe you shouldn't know how to be a mortgage advisor. And I'm yeah. like, but it's the same thing. If, if we've never been taught it, if, if you've never actively gone out to seek to learn it, I'm not going to know how to do your job. And and you don't know how to to do mine, which in turn turns into obviously doing it for yourself, which is super important. But yeah, like as you said, it's it's absolutely fine if you don't really know that much about your health and fitness and you don't have these tools. We all probably should need personal responsibility to learn them at some point, of course. But like you can't just be expected to wake up one day and be like, I know how to take control of my health because yeah, yeah you haven't, you know, it's not, not something that's taught in school. And our parents' generation was not particularly healthy no. or health conscious. So it's not like we learn it from them either. No, and I think that's part of it, you know, and I think... Um, it's so interesting because it's like anything in school. You know, if you're learning learning a language, like that is a process. You don't wake up one day and speak fluent Chinese. Like if you want to speak Chinese, you'll learn it and it will take you a considerable amount of time to learn that. Apply the same approach with your health and fitness. You don't wake up one day, decide to work on your health and know everything. And I'd say that as a coach. And what I regularly say to my clients is that I am constantly learning too. I, doesn't Just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I'm like, you know, I've, I've got it. No, I'm learning all the time. But one thing I think that's hard with social media is that experts are really important and 
finding people who really know their stuff and trusting them, that is still something really important. And I think what's happened with, with the, you know, social media, everyone being able to post or be a voice of authority mm. is where the real kind of knowledge has been dispersed a little bit. And I think that's the hardest thing where everybody now has a platform to say their truth. We're trying to, we're struggling to navigate who's actually the voice of reason, who yeah. is, and I, you know, for me, I love that we have experts in certain things. That's We should never get rid of that. We should constantly be looking at experts. These are people who've dedicated their entire lives to studying one or two things. And I think it's the same in any profession. Say it's tax, mortgage advisory, investments. I want to turn to the person who's been studying that their entire life, has so much more experience than, than me, to guide me. I don't want to think, oh, you know what? I'm going to try and do this all by my own. My yeah. own. I'm going to invest in whatever. No, I actually want to find the person who's dedicated their life to learning, dedicated their life to gaining experience, and I want to put my trust in them. And it's about saying to people, do the same. You don't need to be an expert of your own health. Find the person who has studied it. Find the person who you relate to and allow them to guide you. Ultimately, you have autonomy. It's your body. You will be carrying out you know, the, the, the commands and the guidelines. But give yourself permission to reach out to have help. And that's okay, you know? Yeah, 100%. I think knowing that that's okay is, is yeah, so, so key. Um, I know you said that you don't want to change anything about kind of those few years, um, those few years and kind of that journey that you've been on, which obviously is amazing. But are there like two to three things that you, if you could go back in time, you'd kind of love to tell 21-year-old Holly? Uh, before, you know, when I was entering the corporate yeah. world, you mean? Yeah, I think... I really, one, I would just tell myself to pause and breathe. You know, I think, bless my parents. I love them to death. And I had an, a really kind of lucky child in the sense that I went to a really great school, a really great university. But I was under immense pressure from the age, I think, of four when I started going to school six days a week, you know, like. And it's about saying to the person back then, we're not in a rush. I was always in a rush. I was always in a rush to achieve the next thing, get the promotion, make more money, everything. Everything was a competition about how fast I could get there. And I would say to myself, just pause and take your time. You know, I've turned 30 and I feel like I'm nowhere near my peak at all. You know, I've got so much to learn and the future, there's so... But if you look back at 21-year-old me, completely different. I probably thought I was the absolute bee's knees. I knew everything. There was nothing anyone could tell me. Yeah. I was at the top of my field. And I would say, just pause for a second and allow yourself to really go through the motions and learn at that time. You know, I would also say to anybody listening, and, and what I would say to myself, I was made to feel like I was irreplaceable at that corporate job. I was made to feel like they needed me to survive. You know, I was so important. One day to the next, I got a tumor and I never went back to that company. And the company is still standing incredibly successful today. You need to prioritize yourself first, no matter what, no matter whether it's work, family, whatever. Because at the end of the day, the minute something happens to you, you're, you're done. There, there's nothing. Once your health goes, you really risk losing everything. And I don't want people to have to nearly die or go through what I went to to figure that out and I'm grateful that I learned that at 23 I learned at that age if you lose your health if you are on death's door you'll lose everything so really enjoy and embrace the time you have because you really don't know what's around the corner and I think finally just try to enjoy 
life a bit more. I think we're so serious. We're so hard on ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. We're constantly failing. I think it's take a step back and try to remember like to enjoy yourself. Are you laughing? You know, something like laughter and creating good memories is so good for your health. You know, I don't think we focus on that aspect enough. And I regularly say to my clients, you know, what did you do that was fun this week? What what fun did you have this week? And they find it such a crazy question. But if we're not laughing and enjoying the ride and having fun, what's the point of any of it? You know, whether it's work or, you know, your business, social connections, if you're not having fun with it, what is the point of it at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's such an incredible, incredible summary and, and important lessons that I think all of us can can focus on implementing a little bit more. Uh, definitely myself, I'm not, not always great at that. Everything's quite rushed and yeah. and serious. So yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Where can people find out a little bit more about yourself, uh, what you're up to and kind of the, the services and content that you put out? Yeah, so my Instagram is um, healthbyholly. Um, underscore and and that's kind of my business name now health by holly i'm moving back out to thailand next week which is really exciting so i'll be back in phuket and if anybody wants to come to phuket to train or see me or just hang out i would love that i'm always fully in support of people heading to thailand um but my instagram is my main point uh facebook as well and just get in touch send me a message um i'm always keen just to help people anyway no matter what you're what you're kind of looking for um and yeah that's about it really yeah i love that amazing we'll obviously make sure all of those links go in the show notes etc and this will be out this will probably be out after we do a little post saying collaborative coaching options available so people probably would have seen that at this point which is amazing if you haven't already seen that then yeah at some point roughly now or a week or so ago you will see that option i think that that's a really great chance for us who both coach with really similar values um but a lot of the leads i get sometimes they do want to chat to a female coach um and it's really really important to be able to facilitate that so i couldn't think of anyone better to do that to do that with i'm Mm -hmm. I'm honored that you say yes and i'm excited to kind of see what that looks like on on the back end i know that's going to be a yeah really valuable for a lot of people so if you haven't already seen that then head to the instagram and and check that out amazing yeah and like i said guys even if it's just questions a chat you know we're both here there's a lot of good people in the world good coaches who genuinely want the best for you um regardless of anything else i think that is the most important thing and the thing i want as a coach i genuinely want you to find peace happiness success confidence and if you don't know how to do it or where to go have a chat and let's figure out you know how to get there yeah, I love that. That's an, that's an awesome place to end. Thank you so much, Ollie. I really appreciate you coming all the way down from Yorkshire oh, to, it's amazing. to do this today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been so lovely to be here. Thanks. If you've enjoyed today's episode, it would be amazing if you could do us a massive favour and leave us a review and even if possible, a comment. The reason why this is so useful for us is it allows us to know which type of content and which guests are best going to be relevant for you and your goals so that we can continue to make the podcast even better for you in the future. Thank you so much so far for all of your support on the Women's Wellness Show.